Hello friends, welcome to Where's Wilmington? I'm Lisa Kapala, and I cannot wait to do this program with you today and to share this information with you. So I have Dr. Dee Janetti. She is the chairperson for Wilmington's Commission on Disabilities. And we're gonna talk about oh, all things disability, I think. We've chatted a little bit before the show. We have a lot to share. So first, let's start with you, Dr. Dee. What does the Commission on Disabilities do? Okay, as a commission, we're set up to work in conjunction with the Massachusetts Office on Disabilities, and we make sure that all programs, services, and legislative actions are carried out in our town. Um, so what we've done is um, we have worked with the town to make all departments um, physically accessible for people with disabilities, mm. but also programs and services so they're accessible for people with all different disabilities. Um, it, it's made to be inclusive of everybody. Okay. And there are several laws that we follow. The Americans with Disabilities Act, which was the civil rights law for people with disabilities in 1990. Okay. Um, and before that was the 504 law, which meant that any any uh, business or government entity receiving federal funds had to make their program services and public spaces accessible. Okay. What, so that, what, the, what the Americans with Disabilities right. Act did was include private companies. So that sounds fairly easy, but it's not, right? No, it isn't because it's almost 30 years later and there are still places that don't have full inclusion, full access. Okay, what is one of your biggest pet peeves that you see as a person who's disabled? I don't really like to use that word. I'll say challenged maybe a little no, bit. No, no, not challenged. You know. Disabled Disabled is an appropriate word. If you're comfortable with that, you that's what, what we'll use. Because this is how I look at disability. We move through the world in a different mode. We're not challenged, we're not um, limited, we're not damaged, we're not invalid. Um, people may think, well, you're challenged because you can't go up those steps. Well, the way we walk is we roll. So um, this is where the laws come in. Universal design says you should have access for everybody, which includes ramps and sometimes lifts. And that's also helpful for people with strollers. And, sure. Um, the other, Knee problems like me. The Gosh. other thing is um, just about everybody at some point in their life will experience disability um, through birth, through accident, through illness, through war, uh, people become disabled. And you don't find that to be a negative word, disabled. You no. don't find that to be negative. It, the word dis is not very nice, <laughs> but um, disabled is, is the word that's, um, that's accepted. the accepted word within the disability community. Until we come up Handicapped with something better. Handicapped isn't a good word, right. Right, right. And challenged and invalid and um, limited. Right. Because we do things in a different way to get the same job done. 
Okay, let's talk about long journey here, how you got involved with the commission, and let's, let's tell your story a little bit, because it's quite fascinating. Okay, so I was a businesswoman um, and a young mother um, when I was in a car accident. It was a car crash that um, left me paraplegic, um, and it took me, I had to So leave. what year was this? This was 1983. Okay, so, <coughs> so things for people at that time, the 80s, I'm from the 80s, so I know there was not a lot of programs or help or assistance back no, then, right? Wasn't. The world was completely inaccessible. It wasn't even thought of. And as a matter of fact, I never thought about accessibility until I needed it myself, and mm -hmm. I felt really bad about that. Mm -hmm. But that's the human way, yeah. I think. You know, we yeah. sometimes don't see something until it's right in our foreground. Right. And that's right. hopefully why we're having you here today so we can get people to maybe see things just a speck differently than they do usually. Yeah. So you got in that car accident. So most people at that time too with, with um, severe physical disabilities were either um, housed in nursing homes. I had a lot of friends right. that were in nursing right. homes or you know locked up in their home somewhere. Um, you just you didn't see them outside at yeah. all. I think part of that was we as a community who are not disabled, although I'm disabled in my own ways, you just can't see them, right? Uh, you know, we just didn't want to see that, didn't know how to deal with it, didn't know what to do. And I think it's our fear of how, how do we approach you as a disabled person. Now, we were talking before we got on the air about when you go to stores or when you're out in public, how people treat you. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, even all these years later, and with so much knowledge out there, um, when I go to a store and I ask someone a question, um, most frequently the person will turn to the whoever's with me and answer the question to them. Or um, when I'm paying for something, I give the cash to the um, cashier and they hand my change to whoever's with me. Right. So um, one way that I have um, found around that is my service dog, Marquis, right. now gets my receipts and my change for me. He puts his paws up on the Love desk it. and he takes it in his mouth and he brings it over and hands it to me. Love it. So you've been working with the commission 30 years, you say? Yes. So let's backtrack a little bit. So you had your first car accident that left you paraplegic, so that's two limbs unusable, technically. Yeah. Then what happened next yeah, to you? Ways down. Okay. So one day um, I was out, did I say that? No. It's okay. One day I was, <laughs> um, I was put outside, my wheelchair was brought outside and then I was put outside because my house wasn't accessible. And there was a, a van coming around stuffing things in people's mailboxes. And when they came to my house, they called me over and they called me a handicapped person, which was shocking to me because I you had not accepted myself way. as this right. was permanent yet. Um, so they told me what they were doing. They had started a commission and they were trying to set uh, start up a nonprofit organization for people with disabilities because there was nothing right, for people right. with disabilities. And, um, and the conversation got long, so the passenger jumped out of the car and then the side opened on the van and a lift came down and the driver came out and he was a quadriplegic, so that's oh. from the neck down, he right. was driving the van. So they came out and talked to me and they had no business experience and so they had a need to have help in that respect and I needed to use my brain because I had to close my businesses down because they weren't accessible. Right. 
So that was probably a godsend for you, even though you weren't quite, you were, I think the denial would be the word you'd want to use. You weren't really I quite was in denial. accepting yes. where you're at, which, which who wouldn't be, really? Who wouldn't be going from zero to 50 in your lifestyle and thinking, well, I'll just help these folks out. But you actually are one of these folks. Right. So it's and different. And I always believe there's somebody worse off than, than you. And here was Larry, a quadriplegic, and able to do more things than me. He was able right. to... Um, come up on my curb, which I couldn't get on and off of by myself. But you didn't think you were going to be like that forever. I didn't, no. How'd you accept that when that fact became knowledge to you? Well, your brain? I met the other people that they were working with, other advocates, and through working with them, um, I finally came to the realization that. Okay. Um, but there was more that and, happened and, and to that, you. And that it isn't the, the end of the world, oh. that there is life after right. disability. And because of the disability, the Commission on Disabilities, it makes your quality of life better. Yes. Because you're looking at things through a different eyeglass than right. we are right. and seeing things differently. But there was more that happened to you after you initially got involved. What happened next? After you initially got involved, something else happened. Um, in 2007, I was in a second car crash on right. the same highway. We were stopped on 93, uh, waiting to get onto 128, and a truck going 65 miles an hour slammed into our car, not realizing we were stopped, and threw us into the car in front, up on, in front of us. Wow. And my head, I was wearing a seat belt, but I slipped out of it, and my head hit the dash, and then hit the headrest, and the velocity shook my brain um, with shears, everything inside, and I um, got a traumatic brain injury besides other physical problems. Wow. So as if you didn't have enough, another challenge was sent your way. Yeah. So. But here you are today doing amazingly <laughs> well and proving to people that you can survive just about anything, really. So, so it goes to my, my modes of doing things. So I had to learn new modes of right. how to be an active participant in life again. I had to learn how to speak. I had a speech impediment, and I had to learn how to read and write from scratch, wow. starting with pre-primer books and learning shh as the SH sound. And, right. And, and you went on to get your PhD. I did. <laughs> Even with all these challenges. Amazing, amazing. How did you combat the depression that must have come? Because you said initially with your initial injury, you were a little bit in denial. Now you yeah. have this happen. Yeah. There's no going back. Right. At that point, how did you and combat that? I had post-traumatic stress disorder. I had it from the. Did first you know that's accident. what it was? I had it from the first accident, and with the second accident, um, it just brought up everything from the first accident that I thought I had right. already worked through. Um, so that was very difficult. And you're a psychologist. And I'm a psychologist. So I, I were was you a able trauma to therapist at the yes. time. So I worked you, with lots of trauma and right, I was so not able to. Physician heal thyself. It's difficult yeah. when it's in your own self. It's right. so much easier sometimes to help somebody else meet those challenges. Right. Did you try to? It was to, very frustrating that yeah, I couldn't must help myself. Been. And I was severely depressed. And I did go see a trauma therapist. Um, and I had a neuropsychiatrist um, for the traumatic brain injury. Um, and I had a really awesome um, speech therapist for traumatic brain injury at Spalding Rehab. Right. So I worked with a lot of people. Um, I was on a leave of absence for five years from the university. Right. And um, my doctoral committee, a wonderful group of women, 
stayed in touch with me, um, not knowing if I'd ever be able to write even a sentence again. Wow. And when I spoke with them and met with them, I didn't make sense half the time because I only spoke in half sentences and half thoughts. There was a lot to do with it. There's a lot of cognitive, cognitive difficulties with traumatic brain injury. Right. What do you think really made you forge ahead and do it? Some people would have given up. I know, yeah. Well, And there were days probably when you did feel like that. There were. Which all of us face. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and there's a thing called post-traumatic growth. And I, um, I was a survivor from things in, um, in early childhood and my early marriage and um, a very independent person. And I think that helped a lot. Mm. Um, you know, it gave me the drive to keep on going. I had this drive that wouldn't let me stop. Do you feel like you're a totally <coughs> different person from who you were before all of this happened? I wouldn't say a totally different person, but I have learned um, I, the patience of Job. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I've learned not to sweat the small stuff. Right. Um, I've learned that um, random act... Random acts happen, and there is no reason why. And when you're able to come and accept that, you can grow and move beyond where you are. Excellent. It's freeing. Excellent. That's amazing. And all of us can relate to that. Whether yes. you've had an injury or not, we all have to kind of get with the patient's vibe and kind of move forward. Things happen to everybody, right? Right. right. So what are some of your biggest pet peeves as a disabled person, the term you like, we'll use that, um, <laughs> that you see around that we might not notice? What are some of your biggest pet peeves that we who are able, again, not a word I like to use, but um, that could help disabled folks to maybe better cope with the world? Well, um well, the first thing that pops in my head isn't a coping skill, but okay. um, it's um, um, when parking. I have a van that has a ramp that comes out. And when parking at the Wilmington Plaza and other places, but always at the Wilmington Plaza, people put their carriages in the access aisle. There's a access aisle with yellow stripes beside handicapped parking spaces. And a lot of people, even with placards, don't understand what that aisle is for. It's for ramps who have ramp, uh, vans with ramps coming out. Right. You need the space not only to get down there, but it also takes another three to four feet to stop in your wheelchair okay. before you can turn around. It's also for drivers who have their wheelchairs in the back and have to open up their car and get their wheelchair out and put it in the access aisle or passengers. Okay, so give you some elbow room. You need a little elbow room. Yes. All right. What about service animals? I know there's a lot of us who we see you folks out there and we want to come, you know, pet the dog. Tell us a little bit about how we should approach that. Yeah, service animals are, um, are very well trained and they're out doing their job. Um, Marquis is a dog when he's at home with me. <laughs> but when, when we're outside, he's working. He has his vest on and he shouldn't be patted. And if you, you know, want to ask people about their dog, um, that's great. You can go up and ask. Most people who have a service animal are really happy to tell you anything you'd like to know about service animals, but never go over and just touch them. You can ask if you can pat them, right. but most people will say no because they're working and they're doing their job. Right. It will distract from them. They're trained not to pay attention to other people. 
Okay. How did you feel adding Marquee as an extension of yourself? How was that for you? Well, I'm not an I anymore. I'm a we. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're a team. We do absolutely everything together. And we live alone. So, um, uh, for example, in my house, I have a braided rope on my refrigerator. And Marky will go and open the refrigerator and fetch a bottle of water for me and bring it to me. Nice. Uh, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I put a tray on my lap, and he runs over to the refrigerator when he sees the tray and opens it for me and waits for me to Amazing. get things out. It's quite amazing, yeah, really. He he um, he um, fetches the phone out of the cradle. He can find things. He can find the phone. Do you almost feel like he reads your mind? Like he knows you need something before you need it? You know, he he's very intuitive. If I yeah. drop something, he's on it. Love it. <laughs> he carries the mail. I need in. one of those myself. <laughs> So he, he opens automatic door openers. When you see those automatic amazing. door openers, he goes over and he hits those with his paw, with his nose, and he turns light switches off and on. Okay. So there's an awful lot that they do. Wonderful. Tell me how, if I'm out in the world and I see you and I feel looking at you like you're struggling, what's the best way for me to approach assisting you? Is it, you can come up and say hello, and you can say, I'm wondering if you need some help. Just ask, ask the person. And then the person can say yeah. Don't run over they and do start helping them with their bundles and things like that. Just ask. People like to be asked questions. Excellent. Just ask if they need help. What's, and people appreciate help when you yes. ask like that. Yes. What's next for the commission? What are you guys working on to try to make the world a better place for everybody, okay. not just so disabled folks? Something that we've done with the commission, the commission, Wilmington has been an incredible town because Wilmington started making... Um, buildings, programs, and services accessible before the laws actually came to be. I started with schools with my children when they were um, little in school, and, and we built from there. Uh, but then when the um, ADA law came, we went through, we set up a committee and went through all uh, buildings, programs, and services and removed barriers for access to people with sight impairments, hearing impairments, physical impairments, um, and, and we put in adaptive services where necessary. There's large print manuals and things like that. Um, so towns come a long way. Not everything is always accessible, though. So if people right. find that they're being discriminated against through any kind of service or program or building, they should contact us and we can help them. And how them. do they do that? Um, they can call the town hall, yes. uh, and they usually uh, refer the phone calls to me. Or we have, uh, we just got an email site. Excellent. And you have meetings. Can folks who are disabled and able-bodied join your commission? Who are uh, we looking for? <laughs> so we do have meetings. We meet on the fourth Tuesday every other month, and it starts in January this year. And anybody is welcome to come to the meetings, okay. whether you want to be a commissioner or not. Excellent. Um, we have um, seven people on the uh, board. Um, and we do have room for uh, two or three others, although we, it doesn't have to be filled. We have a quorum. It has to be at least 50% people with disabilities. Other than that, uh, we have a selectman, Jonathan Eaton. Nice. Is our, uh, is He's our a friend liaison. of WCTV. We love him. <laughs> and how, what goes on at these meetings? What kinds of things do you tackle? Well, the, the most recent thing that we did was uh, I took all of the commissioners to a community access monitor training program. It was a two-day training where we learned all of the laws for accessibility and how to um, 
assess a building, a program, a service right. for accessibility. There's height requirements and for absolutely everything. So for any other businesses or organizations or individuals, we can help them with this information if they start a business and finding they okay. need that information. We're here to help them or we're here to help anybody with a disability that feels that they're not getting services Excellent. that they need. And I would feel a commission would be helpful for new construction. When someone is building Absolutely. something new, we yes. want to think about inclusion, diversity, disability, all of that, and make it accessible right. to and everybody. Right, and we have George Hooper in the town who... Who's another friend of WCTV. Yeah, he's, he's the ADA coordinator. Um, so I, I don't know George personally, but I worked with Roger Asad, who was in that yes. position before, very closely. So, so what's next for you, Dr. Well, D? Okay, so what's next for the commission is we're thinking of starting a program um, to discuss disability issues. Um, I, I would like to highlight interesting people with disabilities right. um, and, and show what they are doing because sometimes a person, people with disabilities are kept under the poverty limit and they're kept out of employment, it, there's a big disincentive uh, for going to work. What do you feel is causing that? Do you think it's the public's, you know, uncomfortableness with it? Do you think it's legislation? What do you think is the root cause? It, it, it's 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 both of those things, mm -hmm. and also to uh, to have the services that you need and health insurance and things mm -hmm. that you need. Right. You have to be living under the poverty. Um, so it's a catch-22 situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah so you want to do something, a grassroots movement, to try to change that and maybe make it more aware to yeah. everybody, right? Yeah. And I think, I think if we have a program, I think people with a disability, seeing another person with the same disability can say, wow, if they can do that, I can probably do yes. that. And see that the world can open up for them. It's beautiful. And gives you hope, which is so important and crucial to surviving anything, having Absolutely. that sense of hope. Absolutely. And I would also like to um, showcase what town departments or organizations are doing for um, people with disabilities, such as the library, what right. services they have. Do you think we've come a long way since the 80s? We absolutely have. But there's we more have. to do. There's, al there's always more to do. The latest thing is, um, is uh, viewing disability as a culture. We're the largest minority um, in the United States, people with disabilities. But viewing, um, viewing people with disabilities as a collective culture with a collective identity, um, it, it, gives, it gives you, you're not alone. Right, you know? and I, I think from an able-bodied person's point of view, knock on wood, right? Um, I'm always fearful as to how to approach. It's not that I don't want to, it's how do I approach, you know? So I'm so glad you came here to share your story with us And I today. think people, we used to laugh, we used to say people are afraid of catching wheelchairitis. People were afraid of people with disabilities yes. because they didn't know anything about them. Right. But we're just people. <laughs> hey, and you heard that here first. Anything <laughs> final you'd like to add before we close the program today? I think we covered quite a bit. Fabulous. Can I just name my commissioners? Please do. Okay, so we have Robert Oliveri. Right. Carol Hilbinger. Yes. Um, Jonathan Eaton. Yeah. Brooke Green. Um, and Ariana. And Ariana Farrell. Awesome. So a nice group of people yes. helping to make the world a better place for everybody. Right. Because I do think when we make things better for disabled, it's better for the able-bodied too. It, absolutely. You know, sometimes there's that ripple effect, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And thank you for bringing Marquis, thank who's been quite me. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and we look forward to hearing more from the commission and the things that you're doing. Thank you, thank you very you so much. much. And thank you so much for watching Where's Wilmington today. I'm Lisa Capala reminding you that the next time someone asks you Where's Wilmington, you tell them right here and right here on WCTV. We'll see you again soon.